0: Coffee with Jeff. Coffee, well, coffee with Jeff. Coffee with
1: Jeff. Coffee, coffee with Jeff. It's Sunday. It's time for coffee, and I am Jeff Kelly, your host and storyteller. Coffee. You know, it's been a nice, warm summer here in Chicago, and there's been a lot to do. And on top of that, I've been extremely busy at work. I haven't had time to write a new Coffee with Jeff episode, and I apologize. So today I'm repeating one of my favorite shows from February of 2017 about the amazing Alice Guy Blaché, a filmmaking pioneer that deserves to have her name up there with the Luminaire brothers George Melies, and Thomas Edison, but for some reason isn't remembered, I think we all know why, right? Anyway, if you've heard this before, it might be worth another listen. If not, please enjoy. Of course, if you've heard this before and don't want to hear it again, then, well, I'll be back in two weeks with something new. I promise. Anyway, thanks for understanding. Get yourself a hot cup of coffee like I've got in my hand right now, and enjoy.
0: This podcast is part of the PsyCon Network. You can support this podcast and others like it by becoming a subscriber at patreon.com forward slash psycon. That's C S I C O N. A link can be found on the Coffee with Jeff website. Just a dollar or two is all it takes to keep these podcasts going. Thank you for your support. She's not only a, the first female director, that's, you know, we, we know that, but she might be really one of the very first directors in the history of film. i
1: Filmmaker. I've never even heard of that. No, never heard about Alice. No, never even heard of her name. Never heard of her. No, I had never heard of Alice. You're on a quest to find out about Alice. I want to tell you about a filmmaker, a woman who is often credited as the first female filmmaker. And while that's true, I tend to think that title is a little unfair. I think she should be credited as one of the first filmmakers ever in the world, regardless of her gender. She made her first film shortly after the Lumiere brothers began public demonstrations of their film projector, and her first film is often credited to be the first made with a narrative fiction. Her name was Alice Gee, and her work has been so forgotten that, in the documentary The Lost Garden, The Life and Cinema of Alice Gee Blanchet in 1995, her own granddaughter didn't even know of her amazing accomplishments. When you look into the early days of cinema, it brings up names like Thomas Edison, the Lumiere Brothers, Georges Malaise, and Edwin S. Porter. All men. Alice Guy, a woman, is rarely mentioned. Her father had been the owner of a bookstore chain and publishing company in Chile, but eventually moved the family to France, and that's where Alice Ida Antoinette Guy was born on July 1, 1873. When her father and mother moved back to Chile... Alice lived with her elderly grandparents in Switzerland. When she was three or four, she joined her parents in Chile. By the early 1890s, she was living in France. Her father and brother had both died, and her sisters were all married. She was taking care of her elderly mother. Her mother, through the advice of a friend, convinced her to learn to be a typist and stenographer, which were new fields at the time. She learned quickly, and in 1894, she applied for a job with Leon Gouman at at a still photography company as a secretary. When she applied, Gouman said, You come highly recommended, mademoiselle, but for such an important post, I I fear you are too young. The 21-year-old Alice responded by saying, I'll get over that. That got a laugh, and she was hired. Leon Ernest Gouman had a mechanical mind and loved science. When the company he and Alice Gee worked for went out of business, he, with the help of some investors, quickly butted up and switched the focus from still photography to the new motion picture industry that was just beginning with Thomas Edison's kinescope. He called it the Gouman Film Company and began to sell camera equipment and film while working on innovations of his own. He began to perfect his own film camera and projector, with Alice Gee still working as a secretary. One day, Auguste and Louis Luminaire, better known as the Lumiere brothers, walked into their office with an invitation. The brothers had been working on a film device of their own and invited both Goumon and Alice to its unveiling. What they saw was the brothers cranking a small machine, projecting moving images on a sheet that they had hung on a wall the Lumiere brothers had invented the first practical film projector, far superior to what Edison had been marketing. They were one of the first people to see the now famous Workers Leaving the Lumiere Factory film. Now, since Gouman had been working on his own projecting machine, there was a bit of disappointment in knowing that he had been beat, yet there was also an excitement in seeing this new form of entertainment for the first time. Gouman kept at it anyway. These early films that were being produced at the time were basically point the camera at something interesting, a person or place, crank the handle until your 20 seconds of film ran out, and that's it, your masterpiece was done. Alice Geese saw more potential for films and wanted to make her own. Her father had been a bookseller, and Alice herself was very well read, so she had the idea of creating stories on film. She asked Guman if she could shoot some film, and according to Alice, Guman thought her idea was a silly, girlish thing to want to do, but sure, she could as long as her secretarial duties didn't suffer. So she began shooting her film in her spare time. Her first film was called The Cabbage Fairy in 1896, and it was about 60 seconds long. It was about a couple that wanted a child, so they went to a cabbage patch to find one. It is based on an old and popular European fairy tale in which it is said that baby boys are born in cabbages and girls born in roses. Alice created the sets with cardboard cabbages and dolls for babies, except for one which was real. This 60-second film is considered to be the first narrative fiction film. This, of course, is debatable because George's Malaise, was also creating narrative fiction films, and the dates for both their films are always in question. Yet Alice and George's Malays were both creating stories on film at the same time, and yet Malays is known the world over, and Guy, well, not so much. The film did very well. They were able to sell 80 copies. Gumat was so pleased that he put Alice in charge of all moving picture productions. Alice was only 24 years old at the time and was still a secretary, but soon she began doing less secretarial work and making more films. Leanne Goumont opened a theater which would often feature Alice Gies films. She was the writer, producer, director of all her work and experimented in many types of genders—action, comedy, adventure, romance, whatever— She also experimented in special effects with both sound and color, which were being developed by the Gouman Film Company. You know, in many ways, Alice created the first of what is now called the music video. She would have singers and musicians lip-sync to their recordings, and then by playing back the recording and the film at the same time, audiences were able to witness picture and sound of their favorite tunes being performed. Between 1900 and 1907, Alice produced and directed over a 100 of these music videos, 25 years before L. Jolson, in blackface, would sing on film. In the early days of her filmmaking career, she was left to invent and create all by herself, for this was something new, not just for Alice, but for the whole world. And the more her filmmaking turned into a big money-making part of the Gouman Company, Others began to try to push her aside and take over. It was a constant battle. Luckily for her, management was always on her side and always left her in charge. In 1906, she made The Birth, Life, and Death of Christ, a 33-minute film that used over 25 sets and over 100 extras. A film such as this was almost unheard of in 1906, and it went on to be the biggest hit that French filmmaking had ever seen at the time. Over the years, this film, which she wrote and directed, like many of her films, was credited to someone else. The birth, life, and death of Christ is often credited to the man who was her assistant at the time. One might ask, well, how is that possible? Well, strange as it sounds, credits were not part of films in the early days. Beginning the film with a list of those who worked on a project wouldn't be the norm until years later. And so because of poor record keeping, it is often hard to find out who made what. But for 11 years, Alice Gee was in charge of filmmaking for the Guman Company, and this was 50 years before women were given the right to vote. The reason why she was able to be in this position was that because filmmaking at the time was considered more of a novelty. It wouldn't become a serious business for another 15 or 20 years, and, as Alice would find out, Once the motion picture became big business, women were pretty much pushed out of the way. So Goumont was trying to push his inventions like sound and color. He had his own system for mixing sound and picture, but to get it to work was a very tricky thing. In 1907, Alice was sent to Germany to explain the process to clients. But because she didn't speak German, she was sent with Herbert Blanchet, the head of the Goumont Agency in Berlin. During their weeks in Germany, Alice Guy and Herbert Blanchet fell for one another and made plans to get married. When Alice surprised Goumont with the news of her upcoming marriage, he surprised her by saying that he was planning to send the two of them to America to introduce his talking pictures. Later in 1907, Alice was now going by the name of Alice Guy Blanchet, and she found herself in a new land with a new husband. She didn't know the language and was fearful that she was not only leaving her friends and family behind, but also the work she loved. For a while, she worked as her husband's assistant while he attempted to make talking pictures in America, but eventually settled down to begin a family. And it wasn't long before she gave birth to a daughter. Yet filmmaking was her real passion, her real love, so when her daughter Simone was about two, she decided to go back to work. To do this, she set up her own studio in the place where filmmaking was happening in the United States, Fort Lee, New Jersey. Believe it or not, New Jersey was Hollywood before there was Hollywood. The studio's name was Solex and Alice Guy Blanche began making films once again. Films like Falling Leaves from 1912. It is about a Young child in autumn who overhears a doctor say that her older sister will be dead of consumption before the last leaves fall to the ground. So the young girl takes these words literally and sneaks out at night to tie the leaves back onto the trees, thinking that it'll save her sister. Now, this is a spoiler, but I guess it's okay to spoil a film that's over a 100 years old. The story has a happy ending. Alice Gee loved a happy ending. She had one rule for her actors, and that was two words. Be natural. Something that was very hard for actors to do in the early days of film. People always seemed to want to pose in front of a camera or to overact. And it was quite a challenge to get them to be themselves. She would have a sign hanging up that said, Be natural. Her movies in America were very successful, and she became headline news when people learned that the head of Solex Films was a female. There were articles about her in magazines and newspapers, and with her success came fame and money. Her studio soon was expanding, becoming the largest film studio in America. And also expanding was the Blanche family, as they had a second child, a boy named Reginald. This was a special time for Alice as she was doing the work she loved and was in total control. She had a wonderful family that would come along with her to the studio while she made her movies. She was loved and admired by all those that worked with her, often teaching others the art of filmmaking. She took on every challenge that came her way, increasing the spectacle of each film, bigger and better. Now this was a time when filmmaking had no rules and filmmakers like Alice Ghee made it up as they went along. So many things we take for granted these days were only achieved by the trial and error of filmmakers like Alice Ghee. Alice Ghee thought strongly that more women should be involved in the motion picture world, and in 1914, she wrote this for the film journal Motion Picture World. It has long been a source of wonder to me that many women have not seized upon the wonderful opportunities offered to them by the motion picture art to make their way to fame and fortune as producers of photodramas. Of all the arts, there is probably none on which they can make such a splendid use of talents, so much more natural to a woman than to a man, and so necessary to its perfection. Things were going good, but that sort of changed around the time World War I began. Goumont Films, who Solex was a part of, decided to pull out of the American market. Without Goumont, and because of a lot of poor investments by Herbert, Solex had to borrow money from Siegelman's, bankers who ended up owning 51% of the company. And this was also at a time where short films were fading out in favor of feature films. So Alice's husband, Herbert, decided to start his own studio, Blanche Features. I've read different stories of why he did this. Some say Herbert wanted to get away from Siegelman's, but others think that it was more out of jealousy over the attention Alice was getting as a successful woman who ran her own movie studio. There was an unhealthy competition between husband and wife, and Herbert felt the need to promote himself over Alice and her flourishing work. Alice and Herbert continued to work together, often taking turns directing. But Herbert wasn't a very good businessman, and their finances began to suffer. At one point, he gave away the rights to one of Alice's films, The Lure, because the distributor convinced him that it was worthless. It went on to become the biggest film of the year. Alice began directing feature films for other studios, often making love stories with happy endings. That was her favorite kind of film to make. Unfortunately, her own love story didn't have such a happy ending. In 1918, Herbert Blanchet left Alice and the children to pursue a career in Hollywood, running away with one of his actresses. Alice thought she still loved the man, and she followed him to Hollywood and helped him with a couple of films, but... it was too late. The marriage was over. While she was in Hollywood trying to save her marriage... Solex Studios was having problems. It seemed not only were they going bankrupt, but also those who were left in charge of the finances were not paying taxes. Alice was held responsible for all this, and sadly, she watched everything she had auctioned off for a fraction of what it was worth. Not only her assets at the studio, but her personal possessions as well. In just a few short years, she went from living in a huge home with her own studio, a successful career, and a husband and family to almost nothing. She made a couple of feature films between 1917 and 1920, but eventually, the film industry, which was now in Hollywood, California, had no room for a female filmmaker. It wasn't just Alice Gee, but all the female filmmakers of the silent era were shoved out of the way. It even got worse when sound films began taking over. The business quickly turned into a boys' club. But for Alice, she was broke and returned to France with her children. She was hoping she could start up her film career there, but things weren't any better. After 1920, she never made another film. She was 49 years old and already being forgotten. To support her children, she began writing children's books and magazine articles, usually using a man's name. She continued to write screenplays, but none of them were ever produced. In 1927, she returned to the United States and spent the later years of her life trying to locate her old films, most of which seemed to have been lost forever. And she was also writing her memoirs. All this time, she was watching herself be forgotten while others who had worked in filmmaking at the time, all men, were being worshipped in books and documentaries as the true pioneers. Of her films that were not lost, many of them were being credited to others, some people who had never directed a film in their lives, getting credit. On March 24, 1968, Alice Gee died at the age of 94 while living in a nursing home in New Jersey. Recently, over the last 20 years or so, people have been rediscovering Alice and the art she created. Many of her films thought lost have been discovered, and she's starting to get the credit she should have received while she was alive. Her autobiography, which was based on her memoirs, was published in 1976 in French and in English in 1986. This was done with the help of her daughter Simone, her daughter-in-law Roberto Blanchet, and film writer Antonio Slide. In 1995, a documentary film called The Lost Garden, The Life and Cinema of Alice Guy Blanchet was released. This film I used tremendously while writing today's story. In 2013, a Kickstarter campaign by Pamela Green and Jarek Von Sluges was started to finance the film about Alice and her life. The film was called Be Natural, The Untold Story of Alice Guy Blanchet. It was released last year, and I still have not had the opportunity to see it. Many of her found films are available on YouTube, and for anyone who has an interest in the pioneering days of cinema, I would suggest checking them out.
0: But she really developed narrative in film at a time when story films really didn't exist. I didn't know about Alice Guy Blaché when I started, and it's probably not really even remarkable that I didn't know about her until the last year or so, uh, because she's pretty much obscured from history in general. Uh, The fact that she was the first woman filmmaker and that nobody knows about it in filmmaking is is sad. She had a very long span in her career. She was 28 years. She outlasted the the French and the American filmmakers that first started, that couldn't survive all the changes in the industry. And she did. Has anybody got a match?
1: Thanks. Now I can light an old goal and listen to The Sad Sack. You know, when I write these Copy with Jeff stories, one of the most exciting parts of the process is the discovery. I'm learning while I'm writing, and as I keep digging deeper and deeper, I find new facts or quotes that I think make the story more compelling. If you've ever gone to the PsyCon page for a Coffee with Jeff episode, you will usually see dozens of links to places I found information. Today's story is a bit different. I would guess that 75 to 80 percent of today's story was from the film The Lost Garden, The Life and Cinema of Alice Guy Blanchet. I kept trying to find other sources, but either they were basically saying the same information that was in this film, or they were saying nothing new at all. It's not the way I usually like to work, but I really wanted to tell this story, and hopefully I gave it enough of my personal touch to make it worthwhile. As for the film, I highly recommend it. I'll have a link to it in today's show notes. Much of the story came right out of the mouth of Alice herself as she was still alive when the film was being made. Also, if anyone knows where I can see Be Natural, the untold story of Alice Guy Blanchet, let me know. It's not on Netflix. One last thing, I noticed that iTunes only lists my last 100 episodes. So if you're interested in earlier episodes, just go to psycon.fm. That's C-S-I-C-O-N dot F-M. You can find them all there. But warning, I don't think many of those early shows were very good. And now the ending credits. You know, no one makes podcasts for the money. We do it for the love, but in doing it, there are still costs involved. If you'd like to help us with some of those costs, visit our Patreon page. You can find information at the Psycon website. That's www.csicon.fm. And, of course, a sincere thank you to all of you who already support the show. And while you're at the Psycon website, check out a few of our other amazing shows. In the latest episode of Nothing Important Happened Today... Brecky and Petter talk about the computers we used to use. As a person who's been through it all, from my TI-99 to my Commodore 64 and my little Mac Classic with the 9-inch black-and-white screen, I was very interested. Give this show and others at SciCon a listen. They can be found at SciCon.fm. You know, you can email me at coffeewithjeff at gmail.com for any reason. Come on, folks, be like Drew and send me an email. You can also follow me on Twitter. My name on Twitter is Coffee with Jeff, and I have a Coffee with Jeff Facebook page. Story ideas are always welcome and usually needed. If you want to support the show but you don't have the coin, and I understand that, then just go over to iTunes and leave a a review or a few stars. I'm still holding at only eight reviews. I could use a couple more. Those really help. And remember, links to all the sources that I use to write today's story can be found at PsyCon's Coffee with Jeff page for this episode. Well, I'd like to thank Brecky Tomlinson for having this podcast on the PsyCon Network, my wife of 32 years for being my wife of 32 years, David Metzger for designing the Coffee with Jeff logo, Kelly Rickard for writing and performing the Coffee with Jeff theme, to all of you who listen to the show every week thank you so much and a special shout out to all of you who repost this on Facebook and Twitter you folks have a special place in my heart thanks to everybody I'll be back in two weeks with another thrilling tale coffee with Jeff coffee
0: coffee with Jeff coffee with Jen. coffee Coffee with Jeff I once knew A man who Used to drink his coffee black He once tried it With some cream Didn't like it Now he never looks back Coffee With Jeff Coffee 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 with Jeff Coffee With Jeff Coffee coffee with just years go by and life still have change. sometimes your plans get rearranged he's seen it all and he's weathered it too so Jeff wants to have some coffee with you coffee with Jeff coffee